0: Alrighty guys, today we're going to continue our series in Running with the Giants. For those of you that haven't been with us for a while, we have been doing a series on great heroes of faith, okay? Uh, The basis for this is found in Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, guys, um, there's some great men and women who have gone on before us, okay? And we've had an opportunity to hear from some of them. It's like they came alive, and, and they came out the stands of heaven and, and ran a lap with us and encouraged us, okay? We heard from people like Father Abraham. We heard from Moses. We heard from, from Esther a couple weeks ago, okay? And today, we get to hear from David. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but I just love King David, okay? I love David because he was a man's man, okay? He also flies in the face of some of the stereotypes that we have today, okay? Like, like I used to think that, that was, there was there was a stereotype that men... Didn't know how to worship God. That men, that women were more spiritual than men, okay? Guys, that's not the case, okay? Men worship differently than women, okay? Um, I I, I had the privilege of five years running the state men's ministry, okay? And we did a men's retreat where hundreds of men would come together. Rick, you've been there before. Where hundreds of men would come together and worship God. Fabian, that is a powerful, powerful thing. Chantel, you can remember being in a balcony and just the power of men doing what they were created to do. But here's the thing about David. David was a man's man, okay? Sometimes when we see men worshiping, we think, well, that's kind of a sissy. Well, you wouldn't want to tell David that because he'd probably cut your head off, okay? David was a man's man. J.D., he was a tough, tough guy, okay? So today we get to hear from that man of God. We get to hear from a guy who the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. Boy, that's a pretty good description right there, huh? He was a worshiper, he was a warrior, he was a man after God's own heart. And I believe that every man in here should want to be like a David. Every wife in here should want your husband to be like a David, okay? Was David perfect? No, he wasn't. But he was a man who understood a relationship with God. He understood what it was like to have a heart after God. You know what, at the end of the day, if we could all understand that, we'd sure be a whole lot better off for it, wouldn't we? So let's see what Hebrews chapter number 11 has to say about David. It has a couple verses about him. Turn with me to uh, chapter number 11, verse 32. Now he includes David uh, in this kind of roll call of faith where it says, And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David of Samuel, of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Did David subdue kingdoms? Oh, you betcha, okay? He unified the kingdom of Israel. He, he was a warrior. I mean, look, you didn't want to pick a fight with David because it wasn't going to go well for you, okay? He wrought righteousness. He obtained promises, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, wax valiant in fight, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. He was a great warrior, did great things for the kingdom of God. God empowered David to do some miraculous things. And I believe God wants to do the same thing for us today. I believe God is looking around this place for some modern day Davids who would step up and say, Lord, I'm able, I'm willing. Fabian, I think he's calling you to be a David to just step out from the crowd and do something significant. But he wants us all to have that. He wants us all to have that heart of David. So let's look at that a little more closely today because that is what we're trying to strive for, okay? David, perhaps more than anyone else in the stadium, is the person I would most want to run a lap with. I watch him as he approaches us. He's dressed as a king in a colorful robe with a jeweled sword on his hip and a crown on his head. But he carries himself like a warrior, powerful, relaxed, yet alert and poised for any situation. Man, we wonder what the greatest king of Israel will say to us. Will he talk about the successful battles that he led? Will he share the loneliness that he felt when he was running from King Saul? Maybe he'll tell us how he expanded Israel's territory, how he felt when he wrote the Psalms. He's a man after God's own heart, so any words that fall from him, his lips would be like pearls of great price. As he gets closer, we can see that he has the eyes of a man who's seen much. Much pain, much grief, much death. Yet he doesn't look bitter or hard. His continence is open. He comes alongside us running easily. And then the champion of champions and king of kings says, you can overcome the limitations others put on you. You can overcome the limitations that others put on you. Wow, guys if we could learn to overcome the limitations that people have tried to put on us, that that family has tried to put on us, that others have tried to put on us, that we've even put on ourselves. How many times have you thought about doing something for God and then you're like, well, I, I, I probably can't do that. That's a limitation. That's you settling for less than God's best. You know what? David didn't choose for anything but God's best. And with God's help today, we can choose to do the same. And if we will, the future for this church will be brighter than we could ever imagine. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for an opportunity today to hear from David. I pray right now, Lord, that you would, uh, you would stir something up in our hearts, God. You would encourage us to let us know that, Lord, just like you used David from a young age, you can use us. God, just like you empowered David to do miraculous things, you can empower us. And I pray today, Lord God, that the courage of David, the tenacity of David, the heart of David would be transferred to us, your children, so that we might do great exploits in your name, just like he did. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, amen. Wow. When we think of David, we don't immediately think of limitations, do we? Here is a man who achieved great success and made it all the way to the top. He was a great warrior and the greatest of all kings of Israel. Yet there were many who never saw his potential. As a young man, he didn't look much like a warrior or a king. He was the youngest in his family. We got any babies in here? Who are the youngest in their family? I'm raising my hand because I'm the only in my family. I'm the youngest, I'm the oldest, I'm just in between. Okay, so how many babies in here? Lift your hands one more time. All of you are the youngest, okay? You know, I've heard it said that we can tell... Okay, how many? How many have ever heard that before? Huh? Chantel, you've told me that before. Okay, we can tell who the baby is. Okay, Hayden, you lifted your hand, right? Yeah, yeah, you are. Okay, because we're not having another. Okay, go, go ahead by faith, lift your hand. Okay, hey, still holding out for a little, little little sister. Ain't gonna happen, kid. Okay, there was one immaculate conception, not two. Okay, so um, so you know, we, you know what it is to be the baby. If you're the baby, it means that. That, that sometimes not a lot is expected of you, okay? We expect a lot of the oldest, don't we? We expect a, 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 a certain, but, but for the baby, uh, you know, by that time the parents are tired. Any parents can say amen, okay? You're, you know, do you remember what it's like with the first child? Man, the first child, everything had to be perfect, okay? The first child, we used to give lists to our, grand, to our, to our parents on how to take care of a hunter, like, like we forgot that they took care of us, okay? But but can anybody relate? Any of you grandparents ever got those lists, okay? That, that 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 first baby, oh, they just go on and on. And you're just nice and you smile. I remember one time, it's not in my notes, but it's funny, okay? I remember one time we used to, we were going through a little t- thing we read in a book that, that babies are really good if they kind of, you let them cry a little bit. You let them soothe themselves, right? Okay, well, we told my mom about that and she just chewed her cheek and said, okay, all right, so he said, "Now, Mom, don't." I'm glad she's not here today, Mom. I'm glad, Mom. You 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 can't hold Hunter, okay? You don't hold him, okay? You let it. You put him in the baby bed, and Blaine he'll go to sleep, okay? That's how it's supposed to go, okay? Mom said, "Got you." Okay. You know, just recently, confession is good for the soul. My mom decided to tell us that she didn't exactly follow those directions. Okay, can any of you relate? we always wondered why when we came pick her up she smelled like my mom she my mom wears certain cologne uh, perfume and we actually like man why does hunter smell like that well there's a reason why hunter smelled like that because the moment we drove out the driveway mom would pick hunter up and hold him the whole time okay and then about the time that we were supposed to come back sister valley she'd put my daddy on watch Okay, Dad was watching the door. Okay, and and the moment we drive up, they'd put him back in there. Okay, and wouldn't tell us nothing about it. Man, that's evil. Okay, that's sinful. Oh, we told you what to do and you didn't do it. Your grandparents think this is hilarious, huh? Okay. <clears throat> by the way, by the time Hayden got here, we we, we drop him off at the corner. Hey, boy, go run go run down. We drop him off at the red light. Just go down and hang a left. Your, your grandma finds find you. You know, things change between the first one and the second one, right? I mean, at first one, you're like, can't get no germs by that kid. Second one, man, he's eating dirt. Okay? it's <laughs> Like, it'd be all right. So things change, don't they? But David was the baby in the family. He was the youngest in the family. Remember, he, 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 Eric's your baby, right? Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> okay? You know, we, we, we know the baby. Okay? Ah. <sighs> As the youngest fell in the family, not a lot was expected of him. He was the youngest in the family. As a boy, he didn't receive the affirmation from those around him. You see, David's greatest battles in his early years were not against the bear or the lion, which he slew while protecting his father's sheep. His greatest obstacles were created by the people who tried to put limitations on him. Look at how others saw and treated David. Now, when we go through David's life, you're going to see some things in your life. You're going to see some situations where people in your life tried to put limitations on you. And I believe God today wants to break all limitations off of you. He wants to break all limitations off of you, off of your family, and especially off of this church. Okay? I think people have put limitations on this church. People have said, y'all ain't going to never grow. You're not going to ever accomplish anything great. Well, don't look now, but we are. Okay, so it is time that we break through all those limitations and walk into the destiny that God has for us. That's what David did. And that's what we're going to do. Amen. So let's look at what happened to David. Number one, Jesse didn't think David had king potential. Okay, Jesse, his dad, did not think David had the potential to be king. Are you someone who feels the pain of having a parent not believe in you? David knew that pain. David's father, Jesse, became very excited when he learned the prophet Samuel was coming to town to anoint one of his sons to be Israel's next king. He must have talked to his wife about it for hours, considering the fine qualities of each son. Imagine him around town. Oh, guess who's coming to town? One of my boys is going to be. Can you imagine how excited Jesse must have been? Man, I'm a dad. I'm excited when my boys do well. Could you imagine? Jesse was probably hard to put up with. They're like, oh, here comes Jesse again. we got to hear about Eliab again. we got to hear about his boys again. But here's the thing. He never said nothing about David. Because he didn't think David had king potential. In fact, man, the, the night before Samuel showed up, I'm sure mom and dad couldn't sleep. They probably couldn't sleep that night thinking about it all. Which son will God choose? they wondered. When Samuel arrived at Jesse's house to anoint one of the boys, Jesse lined up the ones he thought had king potential. That was every son except one, David. Jesse didn't even bother to call David in from the fields. At first, the prophet thought the same way Jesse did. He judged the sons based on who looked like a king, but God had something else in mind, In fact, Scripture says in 1 Samuel 16, verses 6 and 7, that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And you know what, guys? The Lord's standards and His ways have not changed since. He still looks at the heart. Amen? Aren't you glad that He looks at the heart? Aren't you glad that when people misunderstand you, Brother Rick, God sees your heart? Aren't you glad that, that you know... Sometimes you do things for the right reasons and it doesn't work out, Miss Belinda. Sometimes you try to do everything right and it still blows up in your face. You ever been there, Miss Wanda? I've been there. I think it's why God sent me to be your pastor because I understand, okay? Here's the deal. You do everything you think is right and it doesn't work out, Blaine. The good news is God, the righteous judge, sees our heart. He... people may be misunderstanding us, JD and Janet. People may not understand our motives, but God sees our motives. And when you're doing things for the right reasons, God will bless you for it. Amen. And that's what God's looking for. God's looking for some people that got some heart. God's looking for some people, Jeremy, that really love him. God's looking for some people that are really excited to do something for him. Okay. And that was David. Jesse paraded seven sons before Samuel, yet God didn't choose any of them. God wanted David, the one with heart. Isn't it reassuring to know that God values us for who we truly are, even when your family doesn't? Man, thank you, Jesus. Even though your family doesn't believe in you, God does. Tracy, even though your family thinks, well, I'm not so sure about her, God's very sure about you aren't you glad that no matter what your family may think guys and some of you had great families some of us don't have great families okay but no matter what the case may be god believes in you so number two david's brothers did not think he had warrior potential not only did david's dad not think he had king potential well david's brothers didn't think he had warrior potential look at this David experienced similar rejection from his brothers. When Israel was at war with the Philistines, three of David's brothers became soldiers in the army. David was left at home to care for his father's sheep. And when Jesse did send David to the battle lines to take his brother's food and to bring back news, his brothers abused him. Especially when David expressed interest in doing battle with Goliath when all the soldiers feared him. The Bible says his brother Eliab, that's the oldest, became angry and said, Why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You know, I think it's very, very interesting that the things that Eliab was accusing David of was really his issues. You know, sometimes the people that are most critical in our lives, it's really because they're trying to cover up what's in their lives. Have you ever noticed that? When somebody sometimes points a finger at you, remember, when you point a finger at somebody, there's three more pointing back at yourself. And Eliab was accusing David of being prideful. Well, who do you think's more prideful, the oldest in the family or the youngest? Who do you think's more puffed up in their spirit, Eliab, the oldest, who everybody was looking to, or David, who everybody had forgot about? Kind of funny like that, isn't it? See, his brothers saw him as nothing more than an errand boy, but he was really a man on a mission. Here's something else to put out. God can often put you in position for a miracle in the midst of the mundane. You see, guys, we remember this story not as David going on a trip to bring victuals or bring food to his family, but we remember this as the day that David defeated Goliath, right? But you see, God had put him in that position by just sending him on an errand. You know, sometimes, guys, in the, the, the simplicity of life, in the mundane of the regular old, tomorrow's a Monday. I hate to admit that, okay? Tomorrow's a Monday, okay? I got to go back to Franklin High. Not super excited about it, but 34 more days. 34 more days, and I am a retired school teacher, okay? I can do all things through Christ except teach school, all right? Um, but here's the deal guys in the mundane JD in just running that little flag truck just down the road. God could use that to give you a divine encounter. God could use that to put you in a position to make a difference in somebody's life. Think about your son, Jamie. He was on the side of a road. It was just a, another trip. It went bad, but God used it to go good. You see, you don't know how God can use you, Fabian. Maybe in your next trip to Sulphur, you just think you're going to check on a customer. You just think you're going through the, the routine of business, but you never know who you might come encounter with. See, David was being sent to the front lines to do nothing more, Belinda, than just to bring food to his brothers and to get a report on how the battle was going. But God was really putting him in position to defeat a giant. Because you see, when David got on the scene, all of a sudden he heard big mouth Philistine running his mouth again. And when everybody else got scared, something rose up in David. See, there's always something different about a David. A David's not afraid to be different. A a, a David, when everybody else is fearful, he's ready to take a stand. See, here's the amazing thing about this story, and I love this story. I've preached on this story a bunch of times. Everybody else called that Philistine a giant, but David. Jeremy, he never called him a giant. He said that uncircumcised Philistine. Everybody else saw him as a giant. David just saw him as an uncircumcised Philistine. Who does he think he is? Sister Valley, you know what's even more important? Everybody else thought him as somebody that couldn't be defeated. David saw him as a target I couldn't miss. I mean, look at that big sucker. I couldn't miss him. Okay? I couldn't miss him. David was brought to the place for such a time as this. And God's doing that today, I believe, as well. God's looking for some modern-day Davids who would just say, You know what, God? I'm willing to do anything you want me to do. God, I'm willing to be used by you. So, David's brothers didn't think he had warrior potential. It didn't stop there. Look at number three. King Saul didn't think David had champion potential. Okay? He didn't think he had champion potential. See, when King Saul heard there was someone in the camp who was willing to fight Goliath, he sent for him. Remember, they had said if anybody would fight Goliath, man, what would happen? They would get the the, the king's daughter... They would also be free of taxes. I don't know about you, but as April 15 gets closer, I'd be all for that. Okay, I'll put up a fight to, to not have to pay no taxes. Okay, so again, there was blessings that would come if somebody would step up to the plate. So Saul heard that somebody was willing to do it. Let me meet that boy. I'm sure that he was expecting a grizzled veteran to face that nine foot, nine inch tall Philistine. He's probably looking for somebody tough, okay? <sighs> Who walked in? a shepherd boy, saying, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Saul's response reveals his skepticism. He said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are but a youth. He's a man of war from his youth. Saul thought David wasn't champion material that he wasn't up for the task. To make up for what the king perceived to be David's shortcomings, Saul tried to get David to wear his own armor. Why not? Saul wasn't going to use it anytime soon. But of course, the armor for a tall, mature warrior like Saul wouldn't fit a boy like David, so he took it off. David didn't allow Saul to hinder him with his low expectations or his bulky armor. He went out to face Goliath just as he was. You see, the king didn't think this boy had a chance, okay? And you know what? It doesn't matter what people think of you. It doesn't matter what people in authority even think of you. It only matters what God thinks of you, amen? Hey, I've heard it said that we have a majority of God, of one with God. When God thinks that we're a winner, we are. When God thinks we can, Belinda, we can, amen? And then finally... Goliath didn't think David had even opponent potential, okay? So if Saul thought not much of David, Goliath thought even less of David, okay? Look at how this went. The final insult for David came when Goliath saw him advancing to meet him in battle. The huge Philistine took one look at the shepherd boy, and here's what Scripture says he said. 1 Samuel 17. So the Philistine has said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. You see, Goliath despised David and believed that the boy wasn't even worth a proper burial. With those words, he attacked him. We can easily determine the caliber of a person by the amount of opposition it takes to discourage him or her. Let me say that again. You can easily determine the caliber of a person by the amount of opposition it takes to discourage him or her. David faced great opposition. Everyone told David he had no potential, but he was able to go beyond his family, go beyond the King Saul's in his life, even go beyond the Goliath's in his life. He threw off all limitations that others tried to place on him and he killed Goliath. And when he did, he removed the limitations from the army of Israel and they routed the entire Philistine army. His personal victory turned into a victory for the entire nation. Let me say it this way. One act of faith on your part can do the same for your family. One act of faith on your part can do the same for your church. What is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to do, Jennifer? One act of faith can be the key for the breakthrough for everybody. You see, David just thought he was going to defeat Goliath. David just thought he was going to stand up and represent God. And what he did, Wanda, was won a great victory for the entire nation. One boy's act of faith changed everything. Tracy, what will your one act of faith be? What will your act of faith be, Fabian? What is God calling you to do? that will be the key to the breakthrough for everybody else. Jesse, your one act of faith could be the key for a spiritual breakthrough in the students of this community. What is that one thing? What is that act of faith? What is that? God wants to use us to do great things. He used David to do great things. He wants to use you to do the same. Now, as we wrap things up, as we round the track... We think about the boy that David was, how even he, a man after God's own heart, who grew up to be a great king, had to start out with nothing but hope and potential. We're quickly snapped out of these reflective thoughts by David's desire to share these final words of encouragement with us. First thing he would tell us is, limitations don't limit us unless we let them. Limitations don't limit us unless we let them. David would say, my father, my brothers, my leader all thought I had no potential. But in reality, I had the greatest potential of all. I had God potential. When I was young, I was able to keep growing in spite of the negative reactions of others because of God's assistance. I never forgot the day Samuel anointed me. From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me in power, and I realized that God could strengthen me to rise above limitations that life and others would try to place on me. My friend, he can do the same for you. You know what, guys? Don't let anybody limit you. Don't let anybody define who you are. God has defined who you are. Amen? You know, I'm reminded of a story as a freshman at Franklin High School, a long, long time ago. I was about 13 or 14 years old because I was a very young freshman. I, my senior year, I was 16. I was 16 turning 17 as a senior. I guess I was really bad at home and mom wanted me to get in school pretty quick. Okay, looking back on it, that's probably how it went down. But I remember my freshman year in high school, J.D., we're, we're working out, okay? Because that's what football players do, okay? And, and uh, because I was so young, the, the testosterone wasn't flowing, Blaine, like maybe it, it does now. Well, that's probably not a good analogy. But you get the idea, okay? And, and, and Fabian, we, we went through this little time of bench press and I only went up like five pounds, Okay, kind of embarrassing, okay, especially when I have a kid who benches 245 now, okay? I was kind of embarrassed, okay? And I remember a coach just ripped into me, okay? I'm not going to name his name, okay? But he ripped into me and he said, you will never amount to anything. And you know what, guys? That's not something a coach should tell a kid. Certainly not something you should tell a freshman. Because he said, Sister Chase, I'd never amount to anything. He was talking about sports, of course. Do you know in that weight room at that time, there was only one student athlete who signed a Division I football scholarship? And you're looking at him. So that coach was not a very good assessor of talent. He did not know what was in me. Now, I could have chose that limitation, J.D., and I could have said, maybe he knows more than I do. Maybe he's right. Maybe I ought to join the band. Okay? By the way, if I joined the band, I probably wouldn't hurt near as bad right now, okay? I'd probably be much more useful, you know, during service. But I decided not to let that man limit me. And I went on to play college ball, got my education free, and and, and all these other cool things. Why do I tell you that story? Because I refused to let a man put limitations on me. Now, let's talk spiritually. Guys, so many people try to put limits on you. So many people try to say, you better not pray those kind of prayers. You you better not believe God for those kind of things, Jennifer. You cannot possibly believe that God could do that for you. Yes, I do. (laughs) Okay? In fact, I believe that he can do exceedingly, abundantly more. Amen? So guys, don't let anybody put limitations on you. Don't let anybody try to define who you are because only God can. And God already has. He says you're the apple of his eye. He says that you're the head and not the tail. He says that you're above and not beneath. He says that you can do, Fabian, all things through Christ who gives you strength. There are no limitations in that, amen? So limitations only limit us if we let them. Number two, don't try to be someone else when others impose limitations on you. See, when Saul realized he was going to fight Goliath, when David was going to go fight Goliath, he tried to put his armor on him. He wanted David to attack the problem as he would. David said, I tried the armor on because he intimidated me, but of course it didn't fit. At that moment, I realized that God didn't want to substitute Saul. He wanted me. God never will never hold you accountable for gifts that you don't have or responsibilities he hasn't given you. He wants you to be yourself. Guys, if you don't know how to play a musical instrument, God will never hold you accountable for not doing that. Okay? God's not going to hold me accountable for not singing on Sundays. Okay? You don't want me singing on Sundays. But he'll hold me accountable if I don't declare the word of God on Sundays. Amen? Because that's what he's called me to do. So he won't hold you accountable for something that you can't do. He wants you to be yourself. Why? Because he put inside of you everything needed for victory. Let that sink in. Fabian, everything needed for victory in that ministry of celebration, recovery, is already inside of you. Why? Because God put it there amen God has put it there now we're trying to pull it out of you we're trying to show it to you we're trying to 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 put the spotlight on it so you'll see it and walk into it because so many times we'll let people put limitations on us we'll let people say well because of what you've been through or what you did you can't really be used by God aren't you glad God aren't you glad God gives second chances if God didn't give second chances I wouldn't be up here preaching and you wouldn't be out there listening Amen. We serve a God of second chances. Amen. So guys, God has given you everything you need for victory. And then finally, David would say, when you rise above your limitations, you help others do the same. The day I faced Goliath, I thought only of defeating him. I never realized that my victory would become Israel's victory. The moment Goliath fell, the army of Israel rose. Their fear and intimidation were replaced by courage and aggressiveness. The day I learned my greatest leadership lesson, people follow the example of their leader. The moment I accomplished more than anyone thought was possible, so did David's people. You see, guys, one small act of faith, one small act of courage can change everything. Mm. We close with David praying for us. David would pray, Dear God, help my friends to see themselves as you see them, not not as others do, to focus on what can be accomplished with you and not what can't be accomplished without you to rise above the limitations placed on them by others so they might help others rise above their limitations and do great exploits for you. Amen. You see, as David finishes praying, we wonder ourselves, is there anyone who can encourage and empower me more than the people we've taken time to run a lap with? Certainly we've run with and listened to the best of the best. We thank David for his prayer, and he says one last thing to us before he goes. I know you'll be encouraged by the next person you run with because he, more than any other person in my life, encouraged me. That person, of course, is Jonathan. But that is for three weeks from today, okay? With every head bowed, every eye closed. So what limitations have you put What limitations have been put on you by others? Maybe even you put a few on yourself. Today is the day to break free from this, or as Hebrews 12 and 1 says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race set before us.